as we take this opportunity to consider the gospel of fellowship. We would, um, I invite you to join together with me in reading the words of our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Let's say together. God is faithful by whom you have been called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. To all of you gathered here in this place experiencing not only God's grace and love and mercy in so many ways, but also fellowship. And to those of you joining us through our cable broadcast or, or through live streaming or podcast, you also, though we remain sight unseen, are part of the fellowship because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we focus on today, fellowship. And to get us started, I'd invite you to uh, view this brief clip of something that certainly some of you are going to be familiar with. I will take the ring to Mordor. I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. This is indeed the will of the council. Then Gondor will see it done. Mr. Frodo's not going anywhere without me. We're coming too. We have to send us home tied up in a sack to stuff it. My companions. So be it. You shall be the fellowship of the rings. Again, to those who are familiar, this is really a, a kind of the, one of the great moments that stands out in that J.R.R. Tolkien trilogy about the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. An odd assortment, a fantastical assortment, mind you, but a hobbit and a wizard and a man and a dwarf and an elf and so forth, and they go on to great adventures, even, even suffering hardship and and to the point of death because of the fellowship of the ring. What binded them, bound them together was the common mission of taking this ring and taking it into the enemy territory, if you will, and having to throw it into the fires of a mountain from where it had come. And they were bound in that fellowship. I would like you to think for a moment about the different aspects of life in which you find yourself in fellowship with other people. Now, I'm going to ask you to hold off in saying things like worship and Bible study and those things at this point. We will get to talk about those. But I'm talking in general, what are the things that, that cause you to be, have a fellowship with, with other people? So, again, putting up with the fact that I don't see very well, you may just have to, to shout it out or have somebody else uh, do it for you. But anything come to mind about how we have fellowship with other people? Just say it over here in this section. What comes to mind? A book club. 
I like it. A book club, yeah. People that are all reading the same book and they find themselves in a fellowship of that. Okay, anything over here? The Franklin Avenue Mission. Wonderful, thank you. The joint um, effort and energy that is put in there. By the way, this week is um, St. Lawrence's turn, uh, so to speak, of, uh, of having to... Uh, join in Franklin Avenue, and so volunteers are needed, and there's more information about that and how you do that. All right. How about back over here? Anybody? Politics. Politics. Hey, we're not supposed to talk about that, you know, (laughs) but you're absolutely right. Even people you may have never met before, if they're on your side, there's a certain kinship there. There's a certain fellowship. How about over in this side? Anybody? Go ahead, don't be shy. Sporting events. Sporting events. There's a fellowship, isn't it? I mean, if you are a fan of a certain team or university, that can bind you with other people, uh, perhaps tighter than, than some of the other fellowships that we have. And over here, anything? Just go ahead and speak it up. School, excellent, thank you. Yeah, you're in school with a the, with the group of students in your class, in your grade, in the entire school. And you have a fellowship with them that binds you together. I was thinking about this. My parents sent me a picture that they had taken, and it was my dad with some people I had never seen before. And it's kind of like, okay, thanks for the picture, but what is this? And in the, the, uh, the picture indicated that, that it was uh, my dad with the Shalaskis. I'm like, who in the world are the Shalaskis? Well, guess what? He had had his DNA done, you know, through ancestry or whatever, and then this connects you with all these different people, and find that you find out here this is some third cousin or something like that. They never met before, never seen each other, didn't even know they existed, so to speak, and yet they're having their picture taken together because their DNA bound them into a, a common fellowship. Well, you can see, fellowship is a very common thing for us. We experience it on many levels and in many different ways. But there is something unique about how we have fellowship as brothers and sisters in the faith. Our Christian fellowship. And there is an aspect of Christian fellowship that that I'm going to highlight by means of our uh, sermon outline on page four, if you're inclined to follow along with that. There are two blanks there. Christian fellowship has both a divine and earthly dimension. Has both a divine, a godly dimension, and an earthly dimension. And I think by means of our scripture readings for today, those can be highlighted. In Acts chapter 10, we see a demonstration of a fellowship between Peter and Cornelius, and in larger picture between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And that is because they shared a common calling. So that's your first C, calling. Did you notice that in the readings? You really need to read the whole chapter of Acts to get the full story. 
But it was one where Peter had been led by God to to realize that the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, where they were supposed to keep distance, in fact, have no fellowship with those who were not Jewish, with the Gentiles, with the pagans. God had directed them this way. But after Christ came, after Christ had done his redeeming work, death and resurrection, and ascended into heaven, God made it clear that there is now a new understanding. That that law had been fulfilled and now all people were to be part of his family. And this was illustrated so powerfully in Peter, first of all, going into the house of a Gentile, and then as he shared with them the message of Jesus that we heard as part of our reading, it says the Holy Spirit came upon them in powerful ways. They were speaking in tongues just like the apostles had on Pentecost. And so those who were with Peter and Peter himself, I I think their jaws must have hit the floor and, and it says they were amazed. What's going on? You mean... You mean God is calling these Gentiles in the exact same way that he's called us Jewish people to be his followers? Absolutely. So much so that Peter asked this great question. He says, is there anything that should prevent water from being brought so that these may be baptized? And of course the answer was nothing should prevent that. And it says they were baptized in the name of Jesus, with water and the Spirit. And so regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of the animosity between these cultures, it was Christ who brought them together. This is a God thing. This is the divine aspect of our fellowship. We are placed into the same family, not because we've done anything, not because we've tried so hard or kept his laws. No, by virtue of grace and faith in Jesus. We have been called into the fellowship of his son. And we can rejoice and give thanks to God for that. This past Thursday, National Day of Prayer, uh, Mr. Bender, fourth grade teachers, and myself, and all the fourth graders that were able to go, went down to Lansing. We wanted to have them get a tour of the Capitol. That hadn't been something that we've been doing for quite a while in our grade school. But in addition to that, we wanted them to to observe and participate in the National Day of Prayer observances that take place at the Capitol every year. And so we went down there, and the weather wasn't the greatest. I mean, umbrellas and raincoats, and the, uh, the speakers and everything were under a big tent. But there they were, other Christians from different backgrounds, different Christian denominations, and they were offering prayers to God as God commands us to, to pray for our country, to pray for our our kings, our, our leaders, and that's what they were doing. And we wanted our fourth graders to begin to have that understanding of how the church is bigger than just their classroom, or this school, or this church, or this community. And I think that was one of the ways that we could be mindful of it and celebrate that, that we have this fellowship because of Jesus Christ. A great gift indeed. 
But now for the earthly dimension of fellow, Christian fellowship. And I think that can be demonstrated through the readings from 1 John 5 and even from John chapter 15. John the Apostle, of course, is the writer of both. And in those words of his letter and of reporting what Jesus said, the word commandment showed up nearly a dozen times. And so we share a common commandment. And we need to have a commandment to love one another, to love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the reason for that is because of our sinful nature. Woo. Who, who let the bugs in here? I haven't had one of those for quite a while. I didn't know how to respond. I think it is a bee. Anyway. I don't have fellowship with bees, though, so. Um, And so we need the commandment. Because of our sinful nature, we take what God has given to us of being one together, but we don't live it out. And I don't think any of us needs many illustrations of that because we know that it's true. Even within the bonds of our own family fellowship, how often don't we find ourselves at odds? And instead of being able to resolve differences, we digress. And because of our sinful attitudes or behaviors or actions or words, that gap gets bigger instead of being that fellowship. Well, if it happens in our homes, does it happen in our, our churches, our church here? Certainly. The potential's there. We don't see eye to eye. We have different opinions. And in some cases, we need to be told, love one another. It doesn't always come naturally because of the the unregenerate person, the sinful self that we are. And so over and over again, John says, keep his commandments. Love God. Love one another. Now, if anyone understands that this is not an easy thing to do, it is certainly Jesus. Think of what he had to do. He was completely human, besides being divine, and yet when people were hurling insults at him, when people were treating him just despicably, and people were gossiping and and eventually hurting him physically and emotionally and mentally... He knows how hard it is to maintain that fellowship, to love even his enemies, even his closest friends who betrayed him. So we don't kid ourselves in thinking that maintaining that fellowship and living in that fellowship is easy. But one thing I think we should also take note of, I didn't put a place on your sheet to write it, But if you've got your sheet, I would invite you to write it in the margin. Because in 1 John, he says, we are to keep God's commandments. But then he says this, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now there's a difference between being difficult and challenging and being burdensome. Burdensome is the picture of that burden on somebody that is so great 
that perhaps they collapse under the weight of it. They can't get up. They are powerless to do anything. And sometimes that's how we look at our relationships with other people, even other Christians. That there's no way we can do this. It's too impossible. The, the wall is too high. The, uh, the distance is too great. But not so with Jesus. These commands are not burdensome. With his help and the Holy Spirit, we can, in fact, pursue fellowship and live in fellowship. Not easy at times, but yet it can be done. And so we go about committing our lives to the Holy Spirit who can, who can turn something even difficult into a task where we can give glory to God as we live that way. And finally, from John chapter 15, because of our, well, one of the ways our fellowship has demonstrated itself is because we share a common connection. And I mean that using the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. This section that we read today follows those first eight verses of John we heard last week And those are those words of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, if a person stays connected to me, he will bear much fruit. You see, we have been grafted into Christ the vine. No matter what our background, no matter what our language, no matter what our race, no matter what our traditions Because of faith in Jesus, we've all been grafted into this vine. And so we have yet another reason for celebration, this connection. And it's only by being connected that we can live that out. Jesus states the obvious. If a branch does not remain connected, it eventually is going to wither. How often don't we rob ourselves of the opportunities to strengthen the connection that we have with the vine? How many times do we not take the time or overlook the opportunities to allow our faith to grow and to increase? God has promised that as we stay connected, we will bear much fruit. And that's nowhere seen more clearly than the, the, the buds on the trees that are coming out. I mean, they've exploded after the la- over the last week or so. They go from being completely dormant to having buds and then to having sprouts, to having blossoms, to having full leaves. That's what happens. It's natural. You're connected to the trunk you're going to produce. And that's what God says life in Jesus is like. We will produce much fruit. The fruit of love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and of course, self-control. This is what happens when we are in fellowship with Christ and in fellowship with one another. We'd like to put that fellowship into practice in a couple of special ways. 
We have many opportunities already. We're doing things like what was mentioned, Bible study and, and worship, of course. But there's often room for growth. And so there's two things, two um, phrases that I want you to write, those of you who are writing on the outline. Underneath that, two opportunities for fellowship. I want you to write the date June 3rd. And I want you to write the word potluck. Did, did you hear me? Potluck. Now, we've been told, and, and I think I've experienced it, that St. Lawrence doesn't do potlucks. Well, guess what? We're going to change that. And so on June 3rd, after services, we are going to be setting up a tent, and we're going to be inviting all people from our congregation to come and bring something to share and also share that fellowship. And we can celebrate that in a way that we most often don't get a chance to. And so there's starting to be some excitement generated. I don't know about you, but, but yeah, I, I kind of miss potlucks. You know, I think I, I grew up with those, and, and many Christians have. But here we have the chance to, to do that in a special way. The other thing I want you to write down is small group. And then I want you to write the phrase, joining Jesus. And what we're talking about there is coming up this fall. As we get momentum and encouragement to participate in fellowship through this month, we anticipate then being able to sign up and form small groups so that we can again as a congregation, as we've done in the past, study a common material. And in this case, it happens to be a book called Joining Jesus on His Mission. There will be some video teachings and small group. And, and so those of you who have experienced that uh, perhaps know what it's like. Some of you have been in small groups for, for 30, 40 years, and we say, amen, God bless you. But not everybody's able to be in a small group, and, and so we want to be intentional about bringing the blessings of that smaller fellowship into as many lives as possible. So we're hoping to create momentum and get people excited and interested so that this fall we are able to once again have that kind of a fellowship experience by sharing, joining Jesus and, um, and, and being with other Christians. Well, you're done with the outline. The Fellowship of the Ring, entertaining, something that can, we can learn from, but ultimately, it's fantasy. But fellowship in the sun, that is something we have. That is something we strive for. And it is reality. In Jesus' name, amen.